Welcome to episode four of the Lost on the Run with Larissa podcast. Today's episode is with Will Borden, who works as the director of technology at the Shady Hill School in Cambridge and also happens to be one of my old middle school teachers. Will lost his leg in a car crash back in 1993 at the age of 21, but since then he has taken admirable control of his situation and has become fascinated with prosthesis technology. He has also started his own 5K called the Bionic 5K, which is a race held every spring in Harvard Square, bringing runners of all abilities together into one collective event. It was my pleasure to reconnect with Will and talk to him about his story as well as his own running. So without further ado, here's our conversation. There's this, um, I don't know if you, have you ever heard of Adrian Haslett? She, yeah, yeah, Instagram, and and she does these Q&As on her Instagram, and a lot of people ask her, like, how best to talk to amputees and all. Last week, actually, she did a question that I thought um, was interesting for me to hear, especially ahead of this um, call, that she talks about how you're supposed to talk about the person and not so much about, you know, their disability, and I think that the reason that I asked you to participate in this is um, because of the Bionic 5K and all that I know that you do. So I think yeah. your sort of angle is the prosthesis, but I know it can be sometimes challenging to be like, oh, so just talk to me about that instead of like you as a person. So, I mean, I think it's important to acknowledge that there's that problem, but. I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that, but I feel like it's it's all kind of just together in this one big pot of stuff. And I'm happy to talk about all of it. I. I I think that's an important part of like who I am and what I've done and some of the experience I've had. So I'm, I'm completely open to any questions about okay, that. Cool. that. That's not a problem for me at all. So why don't we start with a quick overview of who you are and what you do? A proud father of three kids. Um, and I work at the Shady Hill School, which is in Cambridge. It's an elementary school that goes from pre-K up through eighth grade. Um, and my role there is the director of academic technology. So, um, as we were just saying, these last few months have been, um, a pretty intense time as we try and figure out how to deliver, um, hands-on project-based learning to, to kids in their homes. And, um, it's, it's certainly kept me busy, but, um, but it's been, uh, a fun time and I've been amazed by kind of the creativity and commitment of, of all of our teachers so how long have you been running because i know i know you run now but i didn't know how how much you act- it's funny i i've always been really active um you know playing tennis and skiing and doing lots of different sports um but i've only really been running for like the last three or four years okay. um i actually got a new prosthesis right you know around three or four years ago it was kind of the, one of the impetuses behind starting to run and it um, it was a little bit different in the sense that um, there's a socket part with a prosthetic, which is the part that attaches to your body, to your like your residual limb, mm-hmm. and then there's kind of the ankle component or or like the blade, some people will call it, which is made out of carbon fiber. And typically, everything I've had up till three or four years ago attached at the bottom of the socket. So you could imagine it's like right where your ankle kind of is, like below there by your calf. And so it was only so long that it could be. And then it was one of those cases of, I guess, thinking outside the box a little bit, but having that um, kind of J-shaped carbon fiber piece longer is gonna give you more energy return and kind of more spring as you're running. And so they decided, one guy had this smart idea to put it on the back of the prosthesis. So it's more, towards the back of my knee. So it's almost like six inches longer as a result. 
and once I got that, I was like, hey, I think I can totally run on this thing. Um, and so I tried it out and loved it, and I've been doing it ever since. So actually, why don't we backpedal just a little bit? So do you want to talk a little bit about how you lost your leg and your prosthesis? Yeah, sure. Uh, it was a long time ago. Wow, it was 1993. Um, I was 21 years old, and I was in a, a really bad car accident. I was with some friends during the summer. It was kind of late, and the driver of the car we were in fell asleep. I was in the I was in the back seat, and I guess I'm the was the same size back then as I am now. So I'm like six <laughs> three, you know, 185 pounds, whatever. And I went flying out the um, back window at, at kind of the impact, which was probably a good thing because probably get, if I'd stayed in the car, maybe my injuries would have been worse. But um, uh, the way I landed, I, I broke my leg really, really badly. And so obviously went to the hospital. I had other injuries as well, but they tried to restore the blood flow to the leg. And they did um, actually, they took a vein actually from my, my left leg, um, kind of down um, by the ankle bone there, there, there's a vein. And they tried to kind of port that over and, and get the blood flowing properly, but they just weren't able to do that. And if they can't establish you know, proper blood flow, the, the limb just isn't viable. So, so we had to make the decision to amputate. So that was, geez, more than 25 years ago. Um, and since then, I've just kind of been on this, this journey of, of kind of learning different prosthetics and things that have changed, you know, a lot for the better. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's been, um, it's been something that I've learned a lot from. It's funny, like the, my first initial reaction, I guess, to the accident and, and the situation I was faced in was, was very much one of, um, it's almost hard to imagine, but almost trying to pretend like nothing ever happened. Right. I was so, I was 21. I went back from my senior year at school and I was so kind of desperate to like fit in and to like do everything I was supposed to do. I mean, you can probably kind of relate to that as like a high school senior, right? That's like yeah. a powerful motivation we all have. We all kind of want to belong. We all want to fit in. And I was super kind of motivated by that and trying to pretend like everything was fine and I was okay. And uh, if you looked at my prosthesis back then, it had like a, a covering on it that made it shaped kind of like a leg and it had a skin, like a fake skin over it that looked, um, that you know, was painted to kind of look like a leg too. It didn't hundred percent look like one, but it could sometimes mm -hmm. fool people. And that was very much what I was comfortable with. And if you saw me now, it's like all like black kind of more sleek looking and totally different. And like, you couldn't miss it if you looked at me and it's like my, I guess my attitude towards it has, has shifted a fair amount over the years. Every time I've seen you, as you just said, yours looks a lot more robotic than yeah. the one Adrian and she wears like a very, it looks very real. It has the whole like skin color and everything. Yeah. So did you choose to have yours not look like that? Or is it just the way that yours is or? Yeah, I think over time I made that choice. I just found the coverings for myself. Like everyone kind of has a different experience and it's kind of, it's very much tied to your identity, right? So it like depends on where you are. Um, so I would never criticize how anyone else mm -hmm. looks. But, but for me, yeah, it just felt like it was starting to feel like kind of fake and not real. And I kind of started to see this beauty in the, I mean, carbon fiber is this amazing material that they you know, they make the stealth bomber out of like, it's the lightest, strongest material we have. And, and it, and it looks kind of beautiful and sculptural in a way. Um, and I just found like the fake kind of foot shell and the fake skin, like just, um, 
I don't know. It just it just somehow just didn't seem right to me anymore. And I, I just I liked the way the carbon fiber looked and, and felt kind of more comfortable that way. But that that's that's a journey, right? When I was 21, I would not have felt that way. Mm-hmm. I like absolutely kind of wanted to fit in more and would much rather have worn kind of a more lifelike looking one. So in terms of the actual prosthesis, look up articles about you or Hugh, like they're all they're all um like very old so i don't know exactly like yeah. what the information is now but so yeah. the articles i was reading is that like you were the first one to or one of the first ones to have this eye walk is it biomes that how you, and that it like wasn't covered by medicare so is that kind of the same thing as it is is it more widely used or are you still like one the only ones who has it or yeah so that's that's really evolved over time like that your your to- your research is totally right. Like it started actually as a project in the in the MIT Media Lab, and I first got to know it actually through students. I brought seventh graders there, and that's when I first met Hugh Her, the guy who runs that group called the Biomechatronics Group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually he was able to take that um, creation that that robotic ankle uh, out of the lab, and he started a company called iWalk, and they called it the Biome. And, and now it's been bought out by a, a bigger German prosthetic company called Autobach, and it's called the Empower. Um, and they've made improvements, a lot of improvements. When I first saw like what was the original prototype, they would have like the workings of like the the motors and the you know actuators and sensors and things were all held in kind of like a giant backpack that you wore. And then their job was to kind of shrink that all and kind of fit it all within the size of, of like that ankle structure. Um, and they did that. And um, it's been, you know, it's on the market today. And I think it's one of the one of the only I think it is the only like truly kind of bionic ankle prosthetic that's available. So do you have like a walking aesthetic and then also a running or a more active one? Or do you have one for all of them? Or how does that? that worked people have multiple ones yeah people do have multiple ones i've had different ones for swimming um i had one with where with a foot would kind of flutter out you know so i could actually like angle the foot to flutter kick mm-hmm. um and then kind of turn it back in when i needed to walk on it i've had ones for skiing so that you could really because of course i don't have an ankle joint so you can't it's hard to get forward over your skis um so i had one that was used for that um I have a running one, which is really that much more aggressive um, C shape. Um, that's if like I ever want to try and run really fast. I mean, the difference with that is it's it's um, they fit it so that you're up a little bit taller on your um, prosthetic side, so that when you compress that carbon fiber C as you're running, it compresses. Then your hips will be even. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also doesn't have a heel on it. So it's like you're, if you're not running, you're kind of standing up on your tiptoe, right? And you're a little bit higher on that side. So it's, a, it's awkward to walk or it's awkward to make it look natural mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so that's really like a running specific thing. And then the one that I wear 99.9% of the time was the one I was describing earlier where um, they did kind of put the, that, carbon fiber J or the foot part up towards like the back uh, uh, by my knee. And it has like that nice long kind of fulcrum, um, but it also has a heel on it. So I wear a shoe um, and can walk with a, with quite a natural gait, I think. And so that's the one and I can 
do almost anything in that. I can run in it. I can play tennis. And, you know, if we wanted to go throw a Frisbee or whatever, like I'd be good to go. And I think that I, I love that kind of like the single purpose, like having to have a different leg for a different activity is kind of um, not ideal. Mm-hmm. Why don't we talk a little bit about um, the Bionic 5K? Because I think that's a really cool thing that you're doing. And were you supposed to do it this year or... Yes, yeah, yeah, so you we were. Actually, we held a uh, virtual race. Oh, nice. Which, yeah, which was really cool. Yeah, we had over like 360 people do it, and people were able to do it. The one thing that's interesting about a virtual race is you're not geographically confined, right? So we had people all over the country, out in California, whatever, running. Um, so it was actually amazingly successful. I think that there, it caught us at a time where people just kind of needed and wanted something to do right like we've all just been kind of trapped in our homes and whatever and to have some event to kind of look forward to was really really nice and it was a nice way to kind of keep moving forward and connect the community so how did that start so this was the third year so we had two kind of in-person live running events in harvard square and this was the third um and i started it i guess for, for like two main reasons one is like trying to think like what might it look like to create a different type of race, you know, that was more inclusive and brought together athletes like of all different types of abilities, like together in one race at the same time. You know, I think um, there's, I've done a million different 5Ks and there there are lots of them um, on the weekends, almost anywhere you go, particularly I'm like the only kind of blade runner in, in the field or that there's a few, what we might call adaptive runners, but they're not, you know, they're kind of more on the, on the fringe, but the idea was what if you kind of put them at the center, right? This idea of, of people kind of overcoming obstacles and what if you kind of built the event around them and invited everyone else in to join, what might that look like? You know, we, I work at an independent school, as I was saying, and I'm sure it's the same at Milton, where they've done a lot of work on diversity over the years. And, and one of the things that the studies show us is that you need a critical mass of people, right, to, to really have diversity take hold, to really realize the benefits of it and all the different perspectives and kind of points of view that it can bring. Um, so I was just hoping to create a race that had that as a critical mass and could kind of celebrate those types of athletes. And then the second idea was just to you know, also be able to celebrate like the incredible technological advancements that are happening here. I mean, we're geographically blessed to be here in Boston and Cambridge and so much of it is happening right here. But um, the stuff that's happening at Hughes Lab that we talked about earlier in terms of bionics is incredible. Um, we also kind of partnered uh, with Connor Walsh, who works at Harvard's Biodesign Lab, and they're working on um, soft robotics and their exoskeletons. So it's like a suit that you can wear, you know, thinking of like Iron Man would be the extreme example of that, but these are soft robotics that can help, um, kind of augment movement, right? So if you suffered a stroke or have MS or kind of lost movement in some capacity, this is a robotic structure that you can wear that will help restore that movement. So enable you to walk kind of further and faster again. And I think the future of that, of, of robotics and all these technologies is so, so bright. And it's something that I kind of wanted to bring into this race and kind of maybe shine a little bit of a brighter light on. Because um, I think they're really making um, 
incredible strides to kind of change people's perception of disability. Basically, the question that I'm asking everyone is about like why Boston is such a unique running town. But I think, as you said earlier, a lot of people have said that it's such an educated population and healthy population. But I think with MIT and what Hugh Hur is doing, like that's another reason why like you're able to pull off such a successful race is because of all the advancements that are going on. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. Like, if 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 those labs weren't here, it would just it would look totally different. Um, and yeah, Boston is unique, I think, for that. Um, all the kind of the universities and labs and the huge kind of biotech groups that are here. Um, and it's yeah, and there's a certain like grittiness and resolve, right, to Boston too. That kind of marries well, I guess, with the themes of the, the race, like we're a tough bunch here and, you know, Boston strong and the crazy weather and our marathon course itself is super hard. And I don't know, there's something about that, maybe that grittiness and determination that, that resonates as well. And something else that I wanted to ask your opinion on was that this year was supposed to be the start of the Boston Marathon having a para-athlete division that's eligible for prize money. What do you think about that, and do you think... I think it's great. It's exciting. I mean, one of the, the runners who... Um, he actually lives in New Jersey. His name is uh, Brian Reynolds, and he's come up for the, the 5K all three years. So I guess this year he actually did it virtually in New Jersey, but he finished second in the whole race, and he's a double amputee, you know, running on um, two prosthetic blades. Um, he's an incredible runner, um, and I think he'll be, he would be a serious... Uh, metal contender in that race like he, he currently has the world record for a half marathon so i mean i think it's great like i view him as like a really elite athlete he's an inspiring guy and to think that he has a chance to kind of win a division right and be recognized for that um i think is really really cool um i it's funny you, you always have to have this this blend of being able to kind of have different divisions and kind of uh acknowledge people for their achievements like we have the regular olympics and then we have the paralympics um and i think having that is super important but i also think it's important to have races like the bionic 5k where you just kind of throw everyone together and we're one big you know community all running together at the same time um so i think you need both but for an event as prestigious and um as important as the boston marathon to have that division i think it's wonderful how categorize isn't the right word but like the inclusivity like do you think that we're pretty inclusive or do you think there's still room to grow or in in terms of like adaptive athletes yeah in terms yeah i i mean i I think so i mean i I think society in general is making more and more strides to be um inclusive but yeah i don't know i still think that there's a little bit of ways to go i think i think you kind of have to, to reach out more maybe than people realize and create kind of more um infrastructure for for people that that might have differences or challenges that they're facing i think that um you know it's not enough to kind of give someone a prosthetic and maybe they even get a running prosthetic and say okay here you go right at that point it's like well what do i do you know like how do i run like who's someone i can look up to and where do i run and is there a community that i can join and you know, I think there's a lot of support that needs to be put in place. There's a there's a foundation called the Challenge Athletes Foundation that I think does a tremendous job of this, of not only, you know, providing equipment, but trying to pair people with mentors and, and holding events and, and maybe like the, the event that I started. I think having more and more of those is going to 
help make things feel truly more inclusive. Last week's podcast that I had was with a guy here who who raises money for raising bibs for the immigrant community who couldn't um, afford them otherwise. Was that Tom? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. Yeah, uh-huh. do you think that, um, like, the price of a prosthetic, like, impairs the being able to do races or be inclusive in that sense? Because I know they're really expensive, but I don't know, like, what is covered or how that works. Yeah, exactly. A lot of times they, they aren't covered, especially if you want a running-specific prosthetic. Um, so that's another hurdle um, that kind of people have to overcome. And, and prosthetics can be really, really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's foundations, some of which were started by um, Boston Marathon's uh, survivors. Like mm-hmm. uh, Heather Abbott has a foundation that's given away um, a number of prosthetics. I think Adrian herself started mm-hmm. one as well. Um, there's the Challenge Athletes Foundation that, that I mentioned Um but it, that's um, that's a hurdle, and I'd like to see um, more and more of that get covered uh, by healthcare. Because the reality is, living like as active a life as possible is really in everyone's best interest, and will keep you healthier kind of down the road. So there will be cost savings as people age if they they've been kind of more active, so that they won't suffer from other things. So um, I'd like to see that. Uh, that coverage uh, broadened to include more athletic devices. So I know you do a lot of stuff besides running to keep active, but how often do you do running races? Like, do- yeah, the longest I, I'm, it's, I said, like I've only been running three years or so, mm-hmm. and the longest race I did was ten miles. Oh wow! It was a race out in San Diego. So I'm, um, you know, by Boston Marathon standards, or Tom, or some of the other people you're talking to, I'm kind of like a wimpy. I've always been pretty conscious of just trying to manage um you know some of the blisters some of the wear and tear and stuff that can happen um if if you're running kind of all the time long distances so i'll run you know three to four times a week you know anywhere from kind of three to six miles generally um and i've been really really happy with that it's a tremendous um i don't know it's like it's such a great stress relief for me i think it's like maybe my own therapy or something like that one runner i talked to said like when I'm running, I think of everything and nothing at the same time. Like there's something very kind of therapeutic. Like you work through some things in your head, but you can also kind of escape entirely too. And um, it's been it's been really uh, really important to me over the last few years. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of people that I've talked to also during this time say that it's really there's yeah, been a big running boom right yeah, now. Exactly. With- People get angry when people say, oh, like, are you going to run a marathon? Because, like, any distance is important. So not in any way that, like, you should run a marathon. But do you ever want to run, like, a half marathon or the Boston Marathon or anything like that? Yeah, I think maybe I'll see kind of, like, try to kind of listen to my body and see what it's saying. But you also have to push yourself, right? So if I've done 10 miles, like, it's a half marathon. And then after that, who knows? I mean, it is, it's inspiring what they're doing, as you mentioned, with the, the para division at, at the Boston Marathon. So it's one of those kind of like never say never things. Um, but I'm, I, I don't know. I am conscious. Like I'm older now, right? Like I'm, 40, I'm like, I don't know. My, I, sometimes I worry about, ironically, like my, um, the, my biological knee. Like sometimes that'll give me some trouble. And sometimes I get blisters from running. None of it is too, too bad. But I just wonder, is, is uh, do I need to, to do 26 miles or am I kind of happy with um, with where I am now? Yeah. I don't know. I Yet think... to be determined, I think. 
Yeah, I think as much as people say, like, oh, like, the marathon's, like, the epitome, like, people who even run just, like, 5Ks, like, that's just as good. Like, it doesn't really matter what kind of race you run or what you do. Just getting active really is the most important thing, I think. I think that's right, and I think that that's certainly one of the things tried to kind of promote in in, in the small 5K that, that we do, the, the bionic races, is, yeah, like, every, every little bit is great, you know, and there's some people that, um, you know, there are all these, what do they call them, couch to 5K programs, mm-hmm. right? Like, people who couldn't really imagine running that much or fitness wasn't that important to them, and if you can get them going just in some of these smaller races that are doable, like three miles is doable, that that's great, and if they want to go further, fine, but that in and of itself is is really quite good. Face a lot of like challenges with your prosthetic when you run because I know like the technology is great. Are um, to be honest, like the um, the biggest challenge or one of the biggest challenges is sweat. Like I I wear this silicone liner over the residual limb, right? That is part of the kind of and it has this pin at the end and it, it's part of the interface that that both like connects me to the leg and try and protects the skin underneath. Um, but as you sweat, there's nowhere for the sweat to go. And if it's hot out and you're running a long distance, it starts to pool. Um, and sometimes you'll see like an amputee will have to like kind of stop and like, mm-hmm. oh, it's kind of gross, but they're like literally just dump the sweat <laughs> out of the thing. So there's gotta be a way as we think about all the innovation that happens to figure that engineering challenge out. Like there's gotta be a way to, I think of all the wicking fabrics we have and different things, there's gotta be a way to figure that out. Um, and the other thing is just the associated blistering that'll come from either the fit not being perfect um, or just some kind of rubbing that's happened. You know, if you ever have shoes that don't fit exactly right or whatever, we can all get blisters. You know, that, that risk is, is certainly higher as an amputee. Like I haven't run the last two days because I got a small blister. It's no big thing, but you're constantly just trying to manage that so it doesn't get to the point where you could, uh, like in the real extreme, then you couldn't even wear your prosthesis, right? If it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you don't want it to get to that point. So there's a little bit of management that comes along with it, but but generally I'm able to do almost everything I want. One fun question that I'm asking everyone is an embarrassing yeah. running related moment that you want to share. So I was joining this, um, I was joining a running group and I just, I hadn't been running all that long and it was up at, um, marathon sports mm-hmm. and it was so it was my and it was my first time going and so i was all excited and whatever and 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 i did and the the run was great um we I, you know it was a, like a three or five mile run no big thing uh you know i stayed with the group and was feeling good about myself and whatever and then as we were kind of coming back towards the store i just took this huge header <laughs> i don't like sometimes it's like you gotta make sure you lift your leg up high enough you know, on the prosthetic side, but there's like kind of this big crack in the sidewalk, you know, that happens and mm. it was sticking up and I just kind of, you know, just took a huge tumble. Um, and it was just, kind of, I don't know, there was, it was just kind of, it was a little bit embarrassing at the time, you know, it's like your first time joining it and there you are kind of sprawled out on the pavement. Um, and I had that same reaction, I guess, that I had um, to the accident in general. Where I was like, I got right back up and even though like my hand is bleeding and I was like, you know, clearly... Uh, a little bit of a number of us I'm like I'm fine it's a problem you know um, and I guess that's one of the things is I, I'm working on kind of laughing at myself more like it was kind of funny um, <laughs> and, and sometimes I need to it was funny but maybe I was a little bit too embarrassed and then the last question I have which one if you had to pick like one thing that you want people to know about prosthetic limbs or 
running or anything like that. Could you pick one that you wanted to share? I guess with prosthetics, we talk about that a fair amount. I guess, I guess I'd want people to know that there's a real kind of range of experience, right? That there's, you know, there's good days and there's bad days. There's people that are, you know, Paralympians and there are people that are struggling learning to walk. Like there's a real kind of range and the technology is really important. And it's something that's really important to me. But, you know, behind it all is, is always like the human that's kind of learning something new and something that might be challenging, but that we're um, approachable. There's a thing that can happen is like kids will um, kind of run up to you and ask questions, especially if you have like the carbon fiber kind of style that I do. And I think that's great. Like I totally welcome that. Like kids are curious, they're open, they're full of enthusiasm and kind of wonder. And, and you know, I think they imagine how cool things can be or like, like, Hey, that's the guy with the robot leg or whatever. And for adults, I think it's more like, Oh my God, you know, don't, you know, upset him. Don't worry. They almost kind of want to look away more and kind of pretend it's not happening. Um, so it's the grownups that are a little bit more, um, maybe awkward at times, but it's just like, Hey, we're here. We're human. We're, we're, we're happy to talk about it. Happy to share. Um, you know, I guess Adrian's giving a slightly different message, but I guess it, it's, but she's also talking about connecting with the humanity of it, right? And not kind of uh, maybe pigeonholing someone just because they have a different. Yeah, and, and, and as I was saying, I think there's a continuum that people are on, right? Like I, I would have had a different reaction when I was 21 than I do now. So that was my conversation with Will Borden. I really appreciated his willingness and openness to talk with me about his experience as an amputee and his experience as a runner and all of his knowledge that he passed on to us. I hope you liked this episode, and thank you for coming to the end of it.